Let's pray. We'll get uh, going here and uh, see how far we can get with this. So, Father, I love you. I thank you for today. Thank you for uh, just being good to us, Lord. Thank you for um, just the uh, the ministry training yesterday and all the time that was put into it. I pray that it's profitable uh, for your kingdom, Lord, and it's not just another thing that we do. Um, Lord, I do uh, thank you for uh, just HBF and uh, their commitment to... Um, just getting the Word of God where it needs to go on time and being uh, busy about your work, being busy in the ministry, Lord. And uh, I do pray that uh, even though we're not at the park today, uh, we do have an opportunity to reach out to uh, just the community with VBS coming up and, and all the other things that we have going on. So, uh, Lord, I do pray that you just uh, uh, magnify your Word today uh, here at, H- at HBF. So I pray you just speak to us out of uh, 1 Corinthians, uh, that you would just... Uh, Get the honor and the glory from the things that are said. I pray for those who um, are here this morning and uh, just uh, pressing forward and even those who aren't for different various reasons that you would just uh, bless them uh, and just uh, get the uh, get the glory for everything that we're doing here. I pray this all in Christ's name. Amen. Man, you see, you pray and they come. <laughs> it's all good. Okay, so if you got your Bibles, open up to First uh, Corinthians chapter 4. So, we... Kind of got started in First Corinthians chapter four a couple of weeks ago, but it really wasn't. It, we, we talked about uh, the mysteries because it references those, and so you can go back and and hear that. Oh my God! What? More weights. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, sticky gloves. Who are those football gloves? Uh, so anyway, uh, we, we got started. We, we talked about the mysteries. But anyway, uh, kind of continuing on uh, in 1 Corinthians, we've been moving through this, and you know, Paul's written this letter to the church at Corinth, and it's kind of a rebuke for a lot of things that are going on. And so that's kind of what he's been doing. And uh, just leading into chapter 4, the entire chapter, in chapter 3 he was really getting, uh, it, was, it was a strong rebuke on, like, why are you following men? And he, he, he referenced it earlier on, but he really expounded on it in chapter 3, and he hit it from a lot of different ways, and like, what are, why are you following any of these people? Following men is not going to get you anywhere. And so then that leads into chapter 4, and kind of gets us where we're at. But uh, So the title today is, uh, Who Judges the Judge, right? Who Judges the Judge? We're going to talk about judgment today, because that's what we're talking about. Uh, that's what Paul's talking about, but I remember when I was when I was little. Like I don't remember how little. Probably definitely smaller than Britain, but I don't know. I've, somewhere when I was young, uh, I just remember always wanting to be able to figure things out. Like everything had to have a reason that it worked, right? And so, like how just anything worked, and you would always ask your parents, like, "Why does this happen?" And you know, you you know, kids, they're just like, "Why? But why? But why?" And it's like just because that's how it works. That's why, right? And uh, but. I remember when I was, I always wanted to figure things out, like the, how things worked was, was kind of a, a thing. And so uh, when I was trying to figure out when I was, I must have been pretty young, but I always remember this thought, um, like, how does it work? So like, you know, what happens when people do things that are, that are wrong? You know, you're asking your parents this, well, you know, the, the police get them, right? And well, what happens then? Well, then they go to jail. Well, then what happens then? Like, you can't just live in jail forever, right? I remember as a kid, what? Yeah, <laughs> but I just remember always thinking these things like so. So what happens then, right? Well, they can't live in jail forever. So what happens? And like, well, then they have to go and you know they go to the judge, right? And like, well, what does the judge do? And well, he like 
you know, basically decides on their, their punishment. And it's like, well, how does he get that authority? And, you know, it's an elect. I'm just, I remember thinking these things like, well, well, what happens when the police do something wrong? Well, the judge is still the judge for that, right? And I just remember always coming back to the question. I always remember asking my mom, well, what happens if the judge does something wrong, right? Who judges the judge, right? Like, so what happens? How does this work? Like, and, you know, what, what, what are you, what are you laughing at? Oh, well, that's how it works, right? And I remember thinking, like, so, so what happens when, when the judge does something wrong? Like, did, who, who judges him? And I'm sure that there's, like, there is an answer for that. Like, I, I'm sure that they, nobody just didn't think of that. But, you know, by that time in the conversation, you know, mom's always like, do, well, who cares, right? Just don't worry about it. It just works, right? Or, or whatever. And you always get that kind of answer. Like when you got a, a little kid that's asking a million questions, it's just like, because I said so, right? Well, it doesn't even make sense. Well, just go with it, right? However it works. Just, yes, that's how it works. And I, I just remember always wondering that. And so, you know, fast forward a lot of years of my life, I get saved and uh, I start to, you know, kind of figure out the answer that I never could get to the question, you know, no matter how you, who you ask. You, so how does this whole thing work out is, you know, God, the father is the ultimate judge because in him is no unrighteousness. You know, there, he's the only uh, person that there is no unrighteousness. Even though you have a good quote unquote judge, even though you have somebody that is supposedly, you know, the standard uh, or there's still unrighteousness in them, right? And so, you know, God the Father is, is actually that, that ultimate judge. So the, the world's going to tell you that, uh, the world's going to tell you that you can be righteous, right? That you can be good, really. The world's going to tell you you can be whatever you want, you know? Uh, we got kids in the public schools running around with a tail on them because I guess they're uh, a cat now, or I don't even know. What? What'd you say? Anyway, whatever. It's just like, so the world tells you you can be anything. So if you want to be righteous, you can. And, you know, you can't tell them that they can't because then you're the, you're the hater. But, you know, the Bible tells you a different story with that whole thing. Romans, you know, 3.10 says what? You know, uh, there is none righteous, no, not one. You know, there, there's no such thing, right? And then if you flip over, I'll, I'll flip there, you don't have to. But talking about righteousness, if you flip back over to Isaiah, uh, he's even got a little more... Um, to say about this whole thing in Isaiah 64, verse 6, if you want to just reference this, you can. But uh, it says, But we are all as an unclean thing, all our uh, righteousness. So all the good things that you can do, all your righteousness, all of your good. What does it say? It says that, uh, i got, I got to find the, <clears throat> the verse again. So uh, Isaiah 64, 6. Uh, it says, There is filthy rags, and we all do fade as a leaf. Uh, and our iniquities like the, the wind have taken us away. And so uh, Isaiah basically is saying the best that you can do, those are compared to something. And if you uh, want to do a little Bible study on your own, you can figure out what he's talking about when he says filthy rags. But, uh, it, you know, it's, it's referencing something. And so the best that you can do is compared to that. And so when the world wants to tell you that if you want to be good, you can. If you try hard enough, you can earn your way. If you strive to get there, if you, there is none good. And the best you can do is terrible. And so that's kind of the standard that we're looking at. And so the world's going to tell you you can do that, but you can't. So Paul uses this line of thinking of, you know, judgment, because he's just spent the entire chapter in chapter 3 talking about why are you following men in the first place. And now he kind of switches gears a little bit and talks about this, this judgment a little bit. And he kind of takes this line of thinking and he continues to prove his point, right? 
uh, from chapter 3, which is what? To stop following men. Why? Because there isn't a good man to follow, right? There isn't a good one to follow anyway, other than the man, Christ Jesus, right? So he basically says, there's always someone out there who's going to judge you, right? I mean, you can probably relate to that. It doesn't matter where you're at in life, what you're doing in life. There's always somebody out there to judge you, but you better be ready because the real judge is coming, right? There's always going to be somebody out there to judge you, but you better be ready because, you know, the real judge is coming. So 1 Corinthians chapter 4, that kind of gets us our, your mind going a little bit. Uh, in verse 1, it says, uh, Let a man so account of us, right? Meaning judge, meaning reckon. When you, you know, account or reckon your, your checkbook, that's what we're talking about. So when you, well, let a man so account of us as the ministers of Christ and the stewards of the mysteries of God. We talked about those two weeks ago, right? We talked about the mysteries, the seven mysteries. You can go back and listen to that. But moreover, it's required in stewards that a man be found faithful. It doesn't say that, you know, it's maybe a good thing that he would have. Or, you know, it says that it's required in a steward that a man be found faithful. But with me, it is a very small thing that I should be judged of you or of man's judgment. Yea, I judge not mine own self, for I know nothing by myself, yet uh, am I uh, hereby, am I not hereby justified? But he that judgeth me is the Lord. There, uh, therefore judge nothing before the time, until the Lord come, who both will bring to light the hidden things of darkness, and will make manifest the counsels of the heart, uh, hearts, and then shall every man have praise of God. I think that's as far as we're going to get. So, you know, so as, as you're going through this thing, Paul's like, you know, we've got this issue of you're following all these guys and there's not really a whole lot of point in that because there's not a good guy to follow anyway. And, you know, then all of a sudden you're, you're wanting to compare us with other people. That's where he gets to next. And what happens when you compare uh, worldly things with worldly things? You still have worldly things. It was still never good enough in the first place. So uh, I have five facts on biblical judgment today that we're going to look at out of this. So five facts on biblical judgment you know, as we talk about who judges the judge and, you know, nobody. So the first two verses, uh, it says, Let a man so account of us as the ministers of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it's required in stewards that a man be found faithful. So the first, uh, I, I should have written it down. The first fact on biblical judgment is judgment requires faithfulness, no matter what. Judgment requires faithfulness. If you are going to uh, elect somebody as the next judge of, you know, uh, Cass County or however that works, I honestly still don't know how the whole thing works. So, you know, it, it, it really makes no difference to me. You've got, like, judges for the counties, and you've got judges for bigger areas, and then, you know, it goes all the way up to the Supreme Court, but then yet you can have a, a, a small-town circuit judge cast down Supreme Court. I'm like, how does this even make sense? Doesn't Shouldn't it, like, the, the higher, you know, when you play cards, you have a trump card, right? What? But that's just how, and it's just weird. And so anyway, I just don't understand the whole thing. But judgment requires faithfulness, right? And so a good judge, you know, when you when these guys are out there trying to get you to vote for them so, you know, you can never go stand in front of them because, you know, that's just what you never want to do is uh, it's somebody that's faithful. You know, you're not going to say, you know what, this guy, he's a terrible person. That's the guy I want judging, you know. No, you want somebody that's faithful. You want somebody that is just, right? That's what Christ says. He's just. And so... Well, you know, a good judge is faithful, but then it also goes on in that same line of thinking is you're also judged on your faithfulness. You know, if you ever find yourself in a position where you are in, uh, you do find yourself standing before the judge, right, for whatever reason, uh, you know, yes, you are looked at for the crime that you did, but a lot of times they'll look at, you know, the lifestyle that you live, you know, the, the whole body of work. And, you know, sometimes, especially with, with younger people, they'll say, you know, 
you got you got caught up in the wrong thing, but you know for the most part you you live a pretty straight and narrow life. You and they try to look at the larger body of work, and so you're judged on your faithfulness as well. Faithfulness is tied to this whole thing throughout the entire thing. Uh, stewardship, or as a friend of mine uh, that some of you know, Tom Fort, he calls it shepherdship, right? Uh, it hinges on faithfulness, right? Your stewardship of something, your shepherdship of something, how much you're entrusted to by God the Father, how much you're entrusted to through the leadership of the church, how much you're entrusted with, uh, with any of those things, it, it hinges on what? On faithfulness. It doesn't hinge on, well, I went to college, or I went to here, and I went to there, and I did all this, and I'm like, I don't really care where you went to seminary at. I don't even know what seminary means. Like, it doesn't even make sense. But... I do know that your shepherdship, the the things that God is going to judge you on, how did you do with the time I gave you, that hinges on your faithfulness. Everything is tied to how faithful you were. And so judgment requires faithfulness. It doesn't say, well, you should probably be faithful, right? It's kind of like in 1 Timothy. It doesn't say that a pastor you know, probably might ought to be blameless. No, it says he, he will be blameless. It gives the, the qualifications of a bishop, right? It says that these things will be found present. It doesn't say that you know, a, a good steward you know, might be faithful. It says he must be that a man be found faithful. It's, it's just what you're going to have. And so judgment requires faithfulness, not only from the judge, but when you are being judged, it's going to require how, how faithful were you? You know, you find somebody that, you know, is standing before the judge every other month for this, that, or the other, you know, that's not a place that you want to be on a first-name basis with, right? Uh, that's not the guy that you want who knows you by name because all of a sudden it doesn't matter what your intentions were, you're, you're just assumed to be the wrong place at the wrong time doing the wrong thing, all the, all the things, right? And so judgment requires faithfulness no matter what happens. Uh, it goes on to say in verse 3, he says, uh, but with me, now he's talking, this is Paul talking, remember, Paul's writing to the church. He said, but with me, it is a very small thing that I should be judged of you. Meaning, I understand that you guys are, you're trying to follow men and you're comparing, well, I follow Cephas, and I follow Paul, and I follow Apollos, and, you know, he's like, it's a very small thing for me. Like, I don't really care what you guys think, is what he's trying to say. Uh, you know, that's in the, the, the Richard Petty Bible version, but, uh, but with me, it's a very small thing that I should be judged of you, or of man's judgment, yea, I judge not mine own self. Yeah, I, I, I don't do this, for I know nothing by myself, verse 4, yet am I not hereby justified? But he that judges me is Lord. Verse four is really interesting because he says, "For I know nothing by myself." This is a very this is a good verse for you just to apply to your life. Like, what do you know? Just because you know uh, nothing, anything that you know is because you learned it somewhere, right? Or you taught yourself how to do it, but you still had to learn how to do it. We were having a conversation last night talking about something. And it was like uh, I, I learned how to run a. It was, I don't know how we got here, but uh, I learned how to run an excavator because uh, nobody else could do it. And it was like, yeah, I, I'm sure I can figure it out, right? And so, and you just learn how to do it, but you still learned it. You didn't just wake up one day and it's like, you know what, I can do this. No, no you might say you can do it, and usually it doesn't turn out well, but you know, you, you learn everything you know. And so he says in verse 4, for I know nothing by myself in life in general, no matter what. There's nothing that you just know. You figure out how to sin pretty well pretty quick, pretty early, but you don't know it like until you do it. You know, so he says, I know nothing by myself, 
Yet am I not hereby justified? He's like, I'm not good at anything and I can't do anything, but yet am I not justified? He's talking to the church when he says that. Who's he justified through? Through Christ. He's like, I don't have to be good at anything, and you guys don't have to think I'm good at anything, because at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. I'm already justified because the blood of Christ made me that way. He says, you can judge me all you want. You can tell me that I'm not doing good enough, or you guys are doing better than I am, or my ministry's better than yours, and, you know, we can have those kind of like, you know, my dad's bigger than your dad talks all you want, right? At the end... None of that matters because he's like, am I not already justified? It doesn't matter what you think of me. Like, I'm just fine. What are you laughing at? What? No. He's sweet. I met Chip. I met Chip. He's a good dude. I'm pretty sure he tortured people in Afghanistan, but uh, I'm pretty sure he would never tell you that, but like, he was just mysteriously there a lot, and nobody knew what he was doing. And so, like, I'm just telling you, I've seen enough movies to know what this guy was doing. That's because I don't have a big head, babe. Isn't that a good thing? Anyway, people like that, you need to make friends with, right? Anyway. Paul's like, I don't care what you think of me. Like, I understand what you're going to be doing is trying to say, well, you, well, aren't you the one who started the church here, Paul? And Well, maybe you're the guy we should follow. And he's like, it doesn't matter what you think of me. I'm justified anyway. I can't do anything of myself. I never could in the first place. Right? The, the athletes that want to say, well, look at me. I can do this. And it's, We'll get to this later on. But he's, he's like, you can run fast because God gave you the ability to run fast. Don't think that at any minute he can make it to where you can't run fast anymore. It, it just happens. I can throw a football really far. Well, that's really cool, but that's still a God-given ability. Like, you were, you know, I can lift more than you. I can do more than you. That's great, right? It, you're all given something. And so he's like, I, it doesn't matter what you think of me. Am I not already justified? But he that judgeth me is the Lord. So your your next... I should have wrote this down. Your next fact on biblical judgment is is a man's judgment is not going to hold water, right? A man's judgment doesn't hold water. Now, I understand that the law of the land says whatever the judge says goes, right? Until a different judge says something different. But, you know, whatever. Depends on what state you're in and everything else. But anyway, like, a man's judgment doesn't hold water, right? And so, you think about holding water. A cracked vessel, now when you think about a vessel, right? We think about a ship or even maybe like a flower pot or whatever. A vessel is a vessel. It's just something that contains something. Uh, But a cracked vessel cannot be your standard. Meaning, it doesn't matter how good the judge is, he's not perfect. He's still cracked. It doesn't matter how upstanding the guy is, at some point he has sin in his life. Right? It's it's funny that we have an unperfect person who judges unperfect people. on a standard that he can't himself keep. Like, he might keep for the, the biggest part of it, but you have an unperfect person, and so God is the one who rectifies that whole thing at the end, but a cracked vessel can't be your standard. You can't say that, you know what, I'm going to go sail the ocean in my dinghy that's got a hole in it with a patch over it, right? It doesn't work like that, because eventually it's not going to work out well for you. What, a cracked vessel is supposed to, or a vessel is supposed to do what? To keep the good things in and the bad things out. Or if you're on, if you're in a ship and you're in the Navy, which again, I'm not, don't know anything about it, you know, other than I watched Top Gun and they didn't have anything to do with a ship other than they landed planes on them, right? But it didn't matter because a a vessel is supposed to do what? Keep the water out. A cracked vessel isn't, what is it good for? Not much of anything, right? It's not going to do you any good. And so a cracked vessel can't be your standard. A man's judgment 
cannot be your standard. And I understand when the law says, hey, you better do this. I, yeah, Romans 13 says what? We should obey the law of the land. So I'm not saying go out and do whatever you want because the man's judgment isn't any good, right? Don't go quoting me to Brian saying, Jason said I can do whatever I want, right? Because I know how you all are. That's what you're going to do. But a man's judgment, it can't be your standard, right? A broken judgment can't be your standard. Your standard on life can't be, well, I'm, I'm, I'm better than you and I've got all the good inside and I'm going to keep all the bad out. The church does that sometimes, right? We've got all the good in here. We don't, you know, we don't want a bunch of lost people coming in here because then they're going to contaminate us, right? We don't have no windows on our building. We don't have none of that. It's all messed up. Brenton was talking about that the other day. Anyway, we, we can't have any of that. No, a cracked vessel, a man's judgment cannot be your standard. It doesn't hold water. At the end of your life, you will be judged. We're going to talk about that in the next point. You will be. like it, That's just how it works. And it's not going to be on a cracked vessel standard. It's not going to be on a, well, I tried my best kind of standard. God is holy. He is just. He is perfect. I know it's hard for us to get our minds wrapped around. Like, well, you know, I'm sure, you know, Jesus tripped up somewhere, right? I'm no, it says he was touched by the feelings of our infirmities. He went through everything that we went through, but yet perfectly. Like, he did all of those things. Now, that's hard for us to understand, but I'm just telling you that it, a man's judgment, that doesn't hold water. So when a man wants to tell you that your ministry is not good enough, if a man wants to tell you that your family isn't measuring up, that your marriage isn't this, that you aren't that, it's okay to take criticism, but don't take that for gospel because a man's judgment is cracked, Right? A broken vessel can't judge you, right? Because they've got they've got the same problems inside them. They might, and so I understand what you're thinking. Like, well, where does where does any kind of uh, counsel come from then, right? You know, I thought that we were supposed to be able to get biblical counsel, and like, if something's going on, I'm supposed to be able to go sit in Pastor Brian's office, and he's got you know all the words of wisdom. And like, he does, but he's still a broken vessel because he's still a man, you know. He is a man who knows the book, right? It's no different, but it's good to get biblical advice. But understand that the truth is in the book, and the only true judge is the Lord. That's what he says. That's what Paul says. He's like, you can judge me all you want, but he says, but he that judgeth me is the Lord. I don't really care what you think, right? Now, he doesn't come right out and say it because obviously we need to, you know, hold uh, hold fast to that which is good or to the appearance of the things that are good. I don't know. I think I'm mixing two verses up. But anyway, um, what? I'm not sure. So anyway, you you shouldn't. I don't want you to leave here saying, "Well, Jason says I don't need to care what other people think." That's right? <laughs> well, I mean, you write it down if you want. You need to care what people think, but you don't need to like base your life off of that. It's okay to uh, want to uh, have a good testimony for the, towards them that are without. Right toward lost people, right? But don't don't hold your life standard to that. They're a broken vessel as well. Christ is the only one who is going to be just enough to say this was the standard. How did you do? Right? He's the only one that you don't have to say. Well, who judges him? Uh, well, he's perfect, so nobody has to. He really is perfect. He is the standard, right? That's what he says. So a man's judgment is not going to hold water. And then verse five. There's there's three different things out of verse five and. We'll be done. I was going to try to go a few more verses, but I knew how this was going to go. So, in verse 5, he says, Therefore, judge nothing before the time. Well, what time? What's he talking about? Well, then he tells you, because he knew you were going to ask. He says, judge nothing before the time, until the Lord come. That's the time. Well, when's that going to be? Oh, well, he tells you that too, right? It's funny that he knew you were going to ask. 
Therefore judge nothing before the time until the Lord come, who both will bring to light the hidden things of darkness and will make manifest the counsels of the heart. So when's the Lord going to come? Well, sometime really close to the time that he brings forth the light of the hidden things of the darkness and will make manifest the counsels of the heart. And then shall every man have praise of God. It's funny that he says, shall every man have praise. It doesn't say, then shall every man praise God. Read what the Bible says. It says, then shall every man have praise of God. That sounds like the praise is coming from God towards you. Oh, it, because it is at this point. Anyway, your next, your next uh, fact on biblical judgment. God's judgment has a specific time frame. God's judgment has a specific time frame. He says, Therefore, uh, judge nothing before the time. Judge nothing before the time. It doesn't do you any good to try to get the cart ahead of the horse, to try to say, well, we need to, to have this standard, we need to do this, we got to have this. And like, There's a time for everything. We understand that when you get saved, uh, sin has no bearing uh, on your life as far as uh, casting you to hell. Right? You understand that. When you get saved, you basically uh, cast your ticket into the I'm not going to the great white throne judgment uh, pool. Right? You're now fast-forwarding yourself towards the judgment seat of Christ, where you will be. We talked about this several weeks ago, so I'm not going to spend too much time here. But uh, you will be. Um, you will find yourself at the judgment seat of Christ, where you are judged for what the things that you did for Christ from the time you got saved moving forward. You're not judged for your sin before you got saved. That was all covered by the blood. You're not judged for your sin that happens after you got saved because, again, that was all covered by the blood. Jesus' blood was enough for all of that. But what it does say is that he's going to judge you for what you did. How did you utilize the time that you had from the time you got saved moving forward? How did you utilize the education or the things that you learned of God to get more things done for him? There's going to it will be a, a a moving standard. Not everybody knew, you know, usually the standard is one thing, right? Uh, the thief on the cross, he will be judged at the judgment seat of Christ, but he's not really got a lot of body of work uh, to be judged by. He didn't have a whole lot of time there from the time that he got saved to uh, the time that he died. But I'd rather be the naked guy in heaven than the best dressed guy in hell because that's going to burn up. You know, that's how that works. And so that judgment's going to change. So the more, the Bible says, to whom much is given, what? He's got a lot of stuff. That's not what it says. To whom much is given, much is required. The more that you learn, the more that you know, the more that you understand, the more that you have been entrusted with, with people, with ministry, with opportunities, to whom much is given, much is required, that you're, the judgment, the standard is, is higher for you. How did you use the time that you were given, right? How did you in, invest in all of these people? How did you get God's work done from then until now? Right? That's what he's talking about. God's judgment has a specific time frame. Now, we understand that's the judgment seat of Christ. Talking about judgment, we understand that all lost people will go to the great white throne. Uh, we talked about that several weeks ago. I'm not going to spend a lot of time here. That's the other judgment. Uh, there's also the, the judgment that, goes, that leads to the great white throne when Christ comes back at his second coming. Right? He comes back uh, with a rod of iron. He's going to get some things done. Uh, in a very short time frame, right? That's that's more judgment. God's judgment is poured out in the tribulation period, which we're not here for, so I don't like to spend a lot of time talking about it. But like, there is a lot of God's judgment we're talking about. But as far as you as the church are concerned, I'm, I'm just assuming that you're here after a long day yesterday. Everybody's tired. Everybody's zapped out. Like, you're, you're probably saved, right? If you're not, I mean, what the heck are you waiting on? But anyway, like, I'm assuming that that's the case, okay? Uh, you know what happens when you assume, right? 
I'm just, I don't know, ask somebody, they'll tell you. Um, I'm just assuming that's the case. The judgment state of Christ is what you need to be focused on, right? You need to be focused on what am I doing for Christ? Well, I, I couldn't do anything for Christ. I had to go to work today. Well, did, did he get any glory through that? Well, I mean, I had to cut the grass today. Did he get any glory for that? Well, I had to go, you know, do whatever. Like, everything that you do can be done with the right heart. Everything that you do can be done with the right intention. Like, everything that you do should be done to give God some sort of glory, no matter what. Right? Everything that you do can be. And so, that's the whole point. Everything you do needs to be based on looking forward to the judgment seat of Christ. That's, That's the point. Like... Everybody's like, man, I just, I'm just ready for this life to be over. I'm ready to be in heaven. And like, amen, that sounds great. Uh, but apparently there's still something to be done or we would be there already. Apparently God has something left in the tank, in your tank, or you would be there already. So that means you still have crowns to earn. You still have relationships to build. You still have gospel to get out somehow, whether it's the, the things you say or the things that you do. Everything you do should be focused on looking forward to the judgment seat of Christ. You know, every class that you take, every sermon that you hear, every, you know, whatever that you do, discipleship, discipleship too, you know, you jump into HBI and take some classes or whatever, all of that is changing the standard of what you will be judged by. Now, I'm not saying that, well, if that's the case, I don't want to learn anything else and I won't be judged by as much, right? I know how y'all think. Come on now. That's not good either because he's going to say, Hey, didn't you go to a church that had like a whole lot of opportunities for like, I don't know, 35 years or however many years you were here? And like, and you didn't get in on any of that? Uh, the standard was still there because the opportunity was there. You just didn't take it. So be careful when you think, Well, if I just don't take the class, then I'm not held accountable for it, right? Uh, it, was, it was there. It was, the opportunity was there. Now I understand. Let me just say this. I understand that like, HBI isn't for everyone. I'm not saying that like that's the standard. But I am saying like if God's calling you to something and you're like, no, I don't want to do that because there's more responsibility, that's a different story. Okay? So understand that. I will say this. D1 and D2, that's for everybody. Anybody who doesn't at least take those steps, there's a problem. Right? There's, there's a submission problem. There's, a, there's an issue there. Right? And so in time, I'm not saying, I mean... If you've only been here a couple years and you're like trying to figure it all out, I, I get it, right? But if you know the the D1 D2 train has passed by year after year after year, and you're just like, yeah, I'm kind of busy. Yeah, I got this going on. There's an issue. Something's going on. So anyway, I think you guys pick it up what I'm throwing down. Everything we do should be viewed looking forward to the judgment seat of Christ. Like I want to have like I, I there used to be a guy, and I, I always took this analogy and I, I ran with it. Like, I don't want to be the guy that's got like a handful of, of fruit that comes in to God. And he's like, hey, this is what, this is all the fruit that I, that I grew or I, I have for you at the judgment seat of Christ. I want to be the guy who's got a freaking wagon behind me because I couldn't carry it all, right? That's the guy that I want to be at the judgment seat of Christ. Not because I have a lot of stuff, but because he's worthy of it. Because he was worthy of all of those things, all of my time, all of my everything. Does that mean I do a good job? Most of the time, no. Like, I'm not up here saying, look at me. I'm up here saying I need to do better. But we all need to strive to have more for the judgment seat of Christ, more fruit to our account, right? That's what we should strive for. It should be. If you're like, yeah, that's not for me, then uh, maybe you should, like, Ryan would say, check your spiritual pulse because there's something going on there, right? Maybe you should, like, it, that. those are the things that should get you going, Fruit for God's account. Those are the things that need to get your motor running. I'm just saying. So God's judgment has a specific time frame. It also says uh, 
you know, we just talked about when that was. Uh, it says in verse 5 again, Let judge nothing before the time until the Lord come, who both, two things here, will bring to light the hidden things of darkness and will make manifest the counsels of the heart. So the next, uh, the next fact on biblical judgment is God's judgment opens your closet, right? God's judgment opens your closet. I use this reference because the closet at home is really clean at my house, right? Most people can't be like, I got a really clean closet. But uh, we had the floor all tore up in our closet. Most of you know we're like redoing our shower. There were some water issues. And so I finally got the floor laid and the trim in and uh, it's all painted and, you know, Paige painted it all. And so while she was in there, she like went through the closet. Nobody likes going through the closet. Like now we've got like organizers that our shoes sit on and like we threw a bunch of clothes away, like bags full of clothes, yet the closet's still full. I'm like, how does this happen? But like God's judgment opens your closet. Like that's where you put things when you're just like, I don't know what to do with it. My, my wife made a comment. My wife made a comment. And I was, I, I did really good because I didn't say anything, right? Until now. Until now. But She's like, I could hear her. I'm in there laying tile, and I could hear her. She was like, you know, digging through shelves because we've got like little cubbies and there's clothes in there. But she's like, I am the master. Uh, what did you say? I'm a master statue. Yeah, she's like, I am a master. St-. She was like, she would come across like boxes like with just stuff. And I'm just like, really? I didn't know that about you, I love. An adorable note from my daughter when she was younger. <laughs> Yeah, that was good. You should tell somebody about that later. But anyway, uh, like that's where you put things. When you don't know where to put them, like, put it in the closet, right? Just, just out of sight, out of mind. Just get it out of the way, right? And the bigger your closet, well, guess what? Like Your proverbial spiritual closet, like same thing. The things that you don't want people to see in life, that's what we call the closet, right? We call... Uh, we don't call the world calls it coming out of the closet, you know, whatever you want to do. But the the point is like that the hidden things in your life. And that's what we're talking about. God's judgment opens your closet. He says, what does he say? I'm, I'm going to translate this for you because uh, that's, I speak in tongues and you don't, but not really. Uh, but I'm going to be the interpreter on what this means. He says, uh, who both brings to light the hidden things of darkness. So at the judgment, this is what's going to happen. When you stand before God, these are the things that are going to be brought to light. Now, you won't be like judged for these things because sin was already dealt with, but these things still have to come to light. They still have to be brought out, right? And so he says, uh, who will uh, bring to light the hidden things of darkness. Those are the outward sin that you have going on in your life that nobody knows about. Those are the things that you do that you know are wrong, and you're actively doing them and hoping nobody knows about them, right? That's the sin in the closet, right? Whatever you want to call it. You know, those are the things that maybe you see or look at that you ought not look at. Maybe the things that you say when certain people aren't around. Maybe the things that you are outwardly doing, not just maybe wanting to do, but outwardly doing, but hoping nobody knows about, right? That's what that is. When he talks about bringing to light the hidden things of darkness, those are the things in your life, right, that you are actively doing, outward sin, then he says also, he's going he's to judge something else and will make manifest the counsels of the heart. These are the things that are, I really wish I could do that. And I just haven't got the gumption to do it yet. Uh, I really think this of that person, right? I, uh, you know, say this under my breath. It's the things that are in there that maybe you catch before they come out, but they're just as unholy, right? Just because you didn't act on them doesn't mean that that's a holy act, right? Right? Uh, it would be better to maybe try to cast down those false imaginations before they get there. I understand you can't unthink things, but you can, over time, 
train your mind to not go there in the first place. You know, as a as a, a newly saved person, you struggle with past sin, right? No matter what it is. If you were somebody who is an alcoholic, you struggle with being around people who maybe drink even a little bit, right? Maybe if you were somebody who struggled with uh, things you shouldn't look at or, or things like that, you struggle with not going there again or, or whatever it is in your life that it, that it was, right? If you struggled with uh, gossip, you really struggle when you go to the, the hair salon because that's what they do there, right? I'm assuming so, right? I don't have a whole lot of hair to be talking about, but uh, I'm just telling you, I think Chris saw Top Gun. He's like, I got to have a clean cut shave so I can fly faster. Anyway, but yeah, anyway, no, anyway, the, the, the point is like the, those things, like you can't, you can't undo those things, but over time you can train your mind to be like, you know what? Uh, I can be around somebody who drinks a little bit and doesn't bother me. Right. I can be around somebody. I don't have to look at every woman like that anymore. I don't have to talk like that anymore. You don't understand what I'm saying? Over time, you're able to train your body to do those things. Over time, you can train your mind to not go there. But those are the things we're talking about. And so the, the, those are the outwards and the inwards. And God, God reveals those things not so he can judge you for that sin. It was dealt with at the cross. But it still has to be revealed at the judgment seat of Christ, right? Those things still have to be brought up because you can be talking about, well, God, I used all this time for you. And he's going to be like, well, what about the time you spent in the closet, right? What about the time you spent over here? And I'm not, people confuse that. They're like, well, isn't that judgment for sin? No, that's not judgment for sin. Your sin was taken care of. But he will reveal those things to you to say, maybe you weren't quite as... Uh, caught up in the getting things done for Jesus train as you thought you were because you were so busy over here doing all this other stuff. Those things are revealed. Why does that have to happen? Well, this really cool thing, this is what I want to end with that it talks about. It goes on to say, uh, he says he's going to reveal, uh, the, the, bring to light the hidden things of darkness and will make manifest the counsel of the heart and then shall every man have praise of God, right? The last thing, the last fact about uh, judgment is about biblical judgment is God's judgment makes you worthy, God's judgment makes you worthy. Like, you are enough now. You never could do enough in life to get there. You can never work your way to salvation. You can never work your way to holiness. You can never do any of those things. But God's judgment will will finally clean all that up. Only after sin has been removed can we have praise of God. Not praise to God. You can praise God now with sin in your life, right? It might not be the most sincere, but you can. But only after God has wiped away the tears, only after God has wiped away all of that, can now you actually have praise of God. God can look at you as a righteous son, not a son who needs to be worked over, right? It's no longer the potter and the clay after the judgment seat of Christ. It is the bride of Christ, right? You don't, well, you shouldn't marry somebody thinking, you know what, I need to work on them and make them exactly like I want them, right? Generally, you marry someone because you want them to be that person. Like, that's the person I want to be with forever. <coughs> it's the same thing. Once you get there, once you have the judgment seat of Christ, the marriage supper of the Lamb, you are now worthy, right? You are now worthy for Christ to call you His bride, like, all the time. Now I understand we are the bride of Christ even now. I get all that. But it's not until after the judgment seat of Christ that we have the praise of God. That we are now, like, the sin has to go somewhere before you, you can't have righteous and unrighteousness. You can't do it. it. The Bible uses the example of, you know, you can't serve God and man. You can't have those two things. They don't work together. But only after sin has been wiped away. And I'll say one other thing. Because the world wants to tell you, 
and when I say the world, I mean some of the people in the church sometimes, uh, they want to tell you that you're doing a, a really good job with this, or, or you know what, you, you tried hard, you did, a, you did good, right? You, you deserve, you know, everybody needs a participation trophy, and well, you were there, so you deserve that, and like, I get it, but I don't get it. Because uh, artificial praise makes men believe they're better than they really are, right? Um, artificial praise makes people believe that they're better than they really are. Even with your kids at times, you know, there are people that, like, their kids can do no wrong no matter what. And I promise, uh, you should praise people when it's, when it's due. But just, like, the artificial praise, oh, because you're here, you're worth it, and oh, because, like, it, I'm telling you, it, that's not God's standard, right? Just being there with a bad heart doesn't get you anywhere, right? Uh, you have to get your heart right. I would give you an example of recent things in my own life, but it's a little too soon. So uh, being there with a the wrong heart doesn't do anything for you. It's not until you get your heart right that uh, it's, it's actually worth something. So uh, artificial praise, like, and it is good. So I'm not saying don't ever sell somebody they're doing a good job. Like sometimes uh, some people, uh, I hate to be like this, but a lot of times it's men. They need the, those words of affirmation. They need encouragement. They really do. Um, but don't be false about it. You know, don't tell your kids, oh, you did so good. Like, no, you struck out every time you were up to bat and like you never swung the bat. Like that wasn't good, right? We need to work on this. Or, you know, oh, you're so whatever. Like sometimes the truth needs to be spoken in love. Okay, so that's what I'm saying. Like artificial praise doesn't do anybody any good. Telling your, your kid that they're the best on the field when everybody knows that they don't need to be on the field like that doesn't help anybody if they want to play if they want to do that's great give them the tools that they need to get better and i'm using this i'm using that example because it hurts less than to say not everybody needs to be in the ministry because you know what you're not worthy right now but you know what you can be if we give you the right tools and you are equipped and right so you know i use an example that everybody can laugh at but take it and apply it to whatever area of life that you need to grow in and you know what maybe you're not the best so don't go around telling everybody that they're the best unless they deserve it and then you know those are good things so anyway somewhere in between that's where you probably should try to find yourself in that area so uh we need to stop there because i'm over time and we will pray we'll pick up there next week uh so yeah let's pray father i love you i thank you for today i thank you for your word lord and uh, i do thank you for judgment and most people are scared of it they don't want anything to do with it they don't like to talk about it but uh, god it's it's only through your judgment that we're worthy Uh, it's only through your judgment that um we are um considered true uh, righteous holy just sons of god and it's only going to be through that judgment so i do pray that we do focus our lives looking at the judgment seat of Christ and the things that we can do for you every day in, 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 the, in the details of our lives. We're, con- we're, we're consumed with what can we do for you with, with all of the stuff. And so, Lord, I do pray that um, you would convict us of the things that we need to grow in and that you would just uh, really grow us. <laughs> Help us grow up and uh, take the blinders off and see the areas in life that we do need to... Uh, step it up a little bit and and suck it up and uh, grow, Lord. So I do pray that you just uh, bless today, bless uh, Pastor Brian as he preaches to us, uh, that you just get the honor and the glory in Christ's name. Amen. All right, see you guys later.